welcome back to Female Founder World. I'm Jasmine, I'm the host of the show, and today I'm chatting with Crystal DeGroote, the co-founder of Your Super, which is a superfood wellness company that started back in 2014. So I know that there are heaps of these kind of companies out there now, but they were really pretty early and they're now doing, they think they've hit 200 million in revenue. So that is a lot. And she actually exited the company last year. So she's got some lessons from getting started through to exiting and selling. She went to business school, but she's got some very specific thoughts about why you don't have to. So if you have a little imposter syndrome because you want to start a business, but you don't have like the credentials, this conversation is your permission to get started anyway. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Crystal, welcome to Female Founder World. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here. For people who don't know what you're building, what is your super? Uh, your super is an amazing, actually started as an econ business, now really just a business that sells superfood mixes. We're in the business of helping you know, people improve their health uh, with the power of plants. And what's the accent? Where are you from? I'm from Holland and um, my uh, co-founder, he's from Germany. So my accent is just mixed everything. <laughs> okay. But you're based in Brooklyn. You're like, we were just talking about the fact that you're basically down the road from me. I walk past where you are, your street literally yeah, so every day. <laughs> yeah. No, we've been this year kind of all over the place. So we're two months now here and uh, we just got a little one and we're kind of nomadic this year. So every one, two months, we're going to be somewhere else and trying to figure out where to settle next. I love that. We're also in the same place where I'm trying to figure out like what our home is going to be now that we have a baby. And my husband is fully remote. I'm obviously working in the business, but mostly remote apart from the events that we're doing, but I can kind of like fly in for that. And we're doing the same thing. Like we're pretty nomadic through the summer, through to kind of like the end of the year, just figuring out like where feels right. Yeah. We have no idea either. And everyone is like, where are you going to settle? Where are you mm -hmm. going to settle? You know how it goes with a baby, right? Because yeah. you have a baby, you have to settle. And we're just kind of like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of flowing. So I totally. No yeah. Yeah. My deadline is like, okay, well, when they have to go to school, we have to find somewhere, but until then, why <laughs> can't you just take the baby? Is that how it works? Yeah. Well, you can, I figured out, uh, what you will notice when you're going to travel with the little one is that instead of like two checked luggages, you're going to have like six. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can imagine that it's already like when I leave the house, it's like a packing a whole caravan. Yeah. Okay. I'm fully, I, we need to have a separate conversation about this because I, like, I need to, I need to find out your tips, but let's get back to the topic, which is business and what you're building. You have been working on your super since 2014, which is nine years, the year I moved to New York. And I want to understand where you were at in your life and what the inspiration was behind the brand. Cause it's a very personal, very interesting story about how you got started. Yeah, so uh, we started a business. So I started a business with Michael. Um, we actually met in college, and then he got sick, like like two three years in our relationship. He was twenty four, uh, and he got cancer, and um, that was kind of like such a turning point in both our lives. Um, I watched the movie Forks Over Knives during while he was going for chemo, uh, turned plant based the next day, and after his chemo, right where you know, yes, you're cancer free, but not healthy. Right. So that's kind of where I stepped mm. in as like this crazy health nut. And I was like, okay, we're going to put you on this detoxes. And I had this cabinet full of superfoods and I was like, okay, you know, like I have this empty jar and I'm going to just scoop everything in there for you. And I gave it to him because he was like, what is this? This is expensive. Like, how does this work? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, he's just started taking these green superfoods every single day. And he just started to feel so much better. And we realized there's so many more Michaels in this world. Um, and that's really where, you know, the business started from, where superfoods are nothing new, right? It's been used for thousands of years from all over the world. If you look at uh, Eastern medicine, if you look at Ayurveda, South, you know, South America, they have all these amazing, powerful ingredients where, you know, they use food as medicine. Um, and we just, you know, combine them together and make it easier for people. We have, you know, like 10 functional superfood mixes. They're super clean, um, you know, nothing added to it, no stevia, nothing. Everything is organic, plant-based. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really easy way of adding more plants to your diet. Awesome. And I just want to give people like some milestones so they can know where you're at. Like there are a lot of, you know, superfood brands that are out there. You are definitely one of the ones that have made the most impact in the space. You've been around, I think you were like really early in this, um, in this movement. I read that you had raised 34 million. You've got more than 200 million in revenue and you were named the fastest growing food and beverage company in 2021 by Inc. Magazine. What have I missed? What are the milestones along the way? <laughs> Pretty well, impressive. This is, this is a funny thing. Like we started also actually in Europe. And uh, we were, you know, we first were in Amsterdam and we started pretty quickly, moved to Berlin and then, you know, had our first office there. And then early to 18, we actually launched in the U.S. And I think also as a European business to like go to the U.S., we were still very small in Europe, too. And everyone was like, why would you go to the U.S.? This doesn't make any sense. And we're like, no, no, we're going to go. We were super naive, young, and we're just like, we're doing this. And it was actually one of the best decisions we ever made. Um, so it's it's funny how that goes, but it's, uh, you know, it has been amazing to have this impact to reach all these people um, and you just help people live a healthier life because we all want to feel better, right? But we're all busy and this is just a really easy product to just get more goodness in you. When you were first starting out, what kind of things were you doing to kind of get your product out into the world and build that buzz early on? Um, so early on, uh, we did farmers markets, which I think is a great way for anyone just starting because it gets you in touch face to face with consumers and you start to understand what kind of questions they're asking, which you should note and write down because those are the things you should also write if you sell for example e-com those are the things that need to be on your pdp or on your homepage. like what are mm -hmm. some of their um you know objections of not buying the product right you can actually start to understand those much better uh what are they not understanding and making sure you answer those kind of things you know on a flow online as well um so i think that was super helpful and from there um this was i mean this was 214 to 15 so we did a lot of barter deals on uh, instagram and just sending out a lot of free products um i think especially in early days right when you probably don't have a huge marketing um budget i think just giving away products to the right people is just a really easy way of starting out um, and not everything is going to be impactful, right? But sometimes only 50% or even 20%, right, you know, can be impactful. So that was something we really focused on. Um, and then we started to dabble. We, I remember we, one of our early investors was um, 500 startups. And we did a one-month e-commerce uh, course with them where we actually learned the world of e-com and how to mm. you know, read all those numbers and everything. But also, like, how do you run Google ads? How do you run Facebook ads? Um, and we, you know, we started, instead of having agencies doing it, I actually learned it myself. And I was like, okay, this is how I run Facebook ads. I'm going to focus on these. And it still was a journey, I would say, of at least a year to like, kind of like make it work, right? Because it's very interesting. People are like, oh, you just upload a picture, right? And you have copy and then you just run it. And it's like, no, 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 it's true advertising, right? You really like, you're creative, 
really, really matters. And um, one of the biggest things for me that made a huge difference was instead of trying to sell the products, right, and focusing on that in your ads, just so we have a tendency, right, as founders to wanting to talk about our product all the time, is to actually make that switch and talk about the story, right? Of like, why do we actually do what we do versus like, what are you doing? And that made the biggest difference because people don't buy products, right? People buy from people, right? And they buy, especially women, right? And women mm. buy most consumer products. Uh, we buy with our feeling, like what is the emotions that you create, you know, with your, you know, the ads you're running and don't just advertise a picture of your product, right? Like really tell a story and, and, you know, your personal story and just like, what are then the second layer would be like, what are the problems you're solving for, you know, for her and, and going through that. I, um, I was doing a little bit of research and chatting with your publicist before we lined up this interview and learned that the brand, like through this kind of Facebook paid strategy, you were able to scale from 1 million to 70 million in annual revenue in three years, which is pretty incredible. When you say that you should be talking about your story rather than just like what the product is and what the offering is, can you give an example about how you kind of did that through advertising? And you obviously have an incredible story behind the brand, how you kind of, because you you do have a very limited, you know, real estate when you're, when you're running an ad. So like what, how did you actually like execute on that? Yeah. So I think uh, it was a, it was a learning process uh, and writing, you know, learning how to write copy, I think is a skill and um, I think writing copy and this comes on, but it may be a little boohoo, but <laughs> I think this mm-hmm. is, it has this spiritual side to it as well. Yeah. Um, it's writing from the heart, right? Not from the head. And um, when it really, you know, really practical, it's like, just keep it short, right? You don't have to tell everything. And someone helped me with that at some point too. Like for the first three, four years, we never talked about our story. Like we didn't even like talk about it michael had cancer or this like that whole thing was not even part of our business we're just like we're doing what we're doing and to us it all makes sense why we did it but we never talked about that um so like you know i remember um we we had someone on our team and what she did is that she actually and you obviously can do this exercise with yourself as well she interviewed us to just tell us like all those things you know throughout our lives what like what is everything that kind of happened and then from that is to actually pick okay what are the key moments right that are really important and from there really you know shape like the brand story um and you know in a short way right because there is just you know if we could talk for five hours about the mm. whole story um and if you then think about a Facebook ad, I really think it's like, if I think about like those videos, um, back in the days, like three, four years ago, you had this now this videos. Um, and I was really inspired by those, right? Where you had maybe five to 10 sentences, very short and fill that in for yourself. And just like, what is it? So for us, it could just be like, you know, Michael was diagnosed with, you know, uh, with cancer, Crystal helped him with this. And it's like mm-hmm. very, almost feels like baby language, right? But someone like scrolling their Facebook feed is cannot read a whole book in two seconds, right? So it's like just to really dumb it down, keep it short. And I think there also, you don't have to tell everything. You just need to grab someone's attention and make them interested enough to click, right? Like you have to think about what is the goal of an ad. The goal of the ad is actually not to sell. The goal of the ad is to make someone interested, click, and then your website actually has to do the selling. 
we keep hearing this like theme around being able to, as a founder, being able to tell your story and understand your why, like honestly, over and over again. So yeah. you're you're speaking to that as something that's really important from a paid strategy, but also folks who have done really well on TikTok say like that's what's working in the organic TikTok strategy. Yeah. And then people who have been accepted into like the Target or, or Sephora Accelerate programs say like that's why they got into those programs. Like it seems to be just like this super powerful thing that you as a as an independent founder can do that just like the bigger corporations like a Mondelez can't do that you know what I mean like they they can't tell that personal story so you need to like really like hone in on that skill I agree and I think also as you know if you think about the consumers out there and you know same as is I if I see a brand and there is a personal story attached to it like there's just like this true connection to the product right and I think we all get excited about it too where it's like yeah oh, this sounds so fun. And like, okay, there's like right away this trust as well. Like, Mm. okay, I feel like the good intentions, like they're trying to do the right thing. And yeah, you're just not, don't have that with the Mondelez or with the Pepsi or with, you know, the Coca-Colas of the world. Something I'm really interested in um, with your story is that you in the beginning decided not to get an agency or bring in a freelancer. Like you learned this yourself and so you could kind of manage it yourself and another founder that I spoke with um Barbara Rivera she's got a beauty brand called Ceremonia they just launched into Sephora and she said that when she's thinking about how to prioritize her time and like where to focus in the business she really thinks about what's new and what's next and she wants to become like well-versed and like get expertise and like the new thing so that she understands everything that's happening in the business and I feel like when what a lot of founders do is kind of the opposite. Like they're, they're sticking to what they know and what they're good at. And then they're kind of like bringing in other experts. Do you think that it is something that was just like a necessity early on that you don't have big budgets to have agencies, so you need to learn it yourself? Or do you think that that's a really important thing that founders understand all the facets of the business? Um, I mean, I think everyone's going to have their own way. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there's a necessarily a right or a wrong, right? It's yeah. just something that worked for me. Um, I find it also a lot easier now, even if I would, you know, at some point I had, you know, we had a big marketing team. Um, I had like 50 people under me or something. Right. So I was managing people running the accounts and managing people, even, you know, building out the strategies and stuff. But because I had done all those things over the years myself as well, I, I knew what I was talking about. Right. So it was, yeah. it felt, I felt a lot more confident as well to kind of just manage them and understanding and the conversations we're having and, you know, like figuring out together what direction we would go. Um, so it's something I really enjoyed, but I also think it depends like where are you at in your career, right? If you're maybe you were in another company, you already manage people, you feel like, hey, I feel very comfortable with that. For me, I was like, I was 23 when I started the business. Mm. And for me, that was the path to really like go step by step. I did CX when we started. I packed packages when I started. I mixed mixes together when I started, right? Like I kind of did it everything over time. And, um, it's, it's something I also really enjoyed. I really, truly enjoyed learning. And I think if you're someone who really enjoys learning, um, I think it's great. And I think the one other thing I really want to point out is also, it's like, you don't have to do as a business, everything, right? Because if you look at all marketing channels out there, right, there's so much you should, right. Be doing, there's like 500 different things in marketing that you can be doing. And in the beginning, I think we were also trying to do everything. And then suddenly I realized it's like, oh, you actually don't have to do everything. They're just like maybe two, three things and do them really, really well. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like, hey, it's a podcast or maybe it's paid or maybe it's, 
you know, your organic TikTok or like, you know, whatever, like, or maybe it's email marketing. Pick like your maybe max a handful and do those really well and just kind of let go of the rest because sometimes it's just doing this couple of things so good and becoming really experts at them as on even on a business level, right? As, as in your business, just doing those things so good is going to have the biggest impact instead of a little bit in everything. I, I think there are a lot of people that need to hear that and just like get that permission to let go of the fact that you don't have to be doing everything because it is overwhelming. Like there's SMS, there's events, there's brand, there's PR, there's like you could do community. You could like, it's just too many things. You could be doing YouTube. Even for me, who's building like an editorial and a community-based business, there are a million channels that I could be publishing on, yep. but I'm like, no, we're going to pick these you, you few kept, and okay. that's what we're going to do. You just keep you going. You yeah. can keep going. And that's the same in paid, right? If you go in paid advertising, you can go Facebook, then you can go YouTube, then you can go Pinterest, then you can go Google, then you can go mm-hmm. on all like TV, right? Like Hulu and everything else. And the list just, and you can go programmatic. The list just keeps going on, on and on. Oh, let's do some podcast advertising. Let's do this and this. And at some point you're just like, I mean, this yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that um, early on you were able to get some investors on board. Why, first of all, why did you decide to go the venture route? I think a lot of people in consumer are like more leaning into the bootstrapping now, kind of just yeah. because of necessity. Like there's not that much different, as much yeah. money around. Yeah. Um, but you decided to go the venture back route and were able to get some really great investors. How did that all come about? And what lessons have you learned? You know, you've raised $34 million. Like that yeah. is a lot of money and you're a female founder, what, what lessons do you have for other people who are out there wanting to do this? Yeah, I think um, the reason we did it, I remember really Michael, we were kind of sitting down of like, hey, what, what, you know, what do we want to do? And um, we said, hey, let's go big or go home basically. And we really yeah. felt like by getting the money in that we could scale faster, reach more people, therefore could have a bigger impact. So that was kind of the thinking, you know, behind it. Um, and I think there's, you know, a beauty of it. I think like everything, just if you scale faster, right, you learn your lessons sometimes a little bit faster as well. Um, in the beginning, right, I mean, we have the business already for nine years. So most of the money we've raised from like, you know, end 2017 on a little bit before that as well. But um, we also were bootstrapping the first two, three years and trying to kind of figure it out. So it was also not like an instant. And I think that's also for someone, you know, like if you're bootstrapping in the beginning, I think it's great. And I think especially nowadays, like, you know, build out your metrics, build out your business case um, and do as much as you can before raising any money. And if you don't have to raise money and you have a profitable business, awesome, (laughs) right? Like don't raise money. Great. Or raise money then with your profitable business and therefore can make a jump, right? And be profitable then right away again. Um, So I think what we've learned, um, really get to know your investors, I think is really, really important. Um, I think it's been interesting. I had, right, yes, I'm a female founder, but I also had a male co-founder, a white male co-founder, right? So Mm -hmm. I had like, it's an advantage. And it's just so true, right? When you look at the statistics, I think even now, like this year, even lower percentage of uh, money goes to females. It's crazy. Um, I think it's like 5% or less. And um, and that includes female founders with a male co-founder, which is like just blows my mind. And it's, it's just having those conversations. And I think it's important to know you're going to get a lot of no's. Right. Like from, let's say, if you, let's say you talk to hundreds and hundreds of investors, right? Like from every hundred you talk to, you're going to get like 99.9% is going to be a no. 
but from every conversation, you learn something again. You might get another intro again, right? And people are like, how, where do you find them? It's just like, you just go out there and one conversation is after the other. Um, and they're also at storytelling. Like, why do you do what you do, right? It's like, it's not just about the product. It's really also there. Lead with your story. Why do you do what you do? Because that's really what also they're also looking for. You've also, um, you've obviously like really learned what you're doing as you've been building this business, you know, like you built something really incredible. You're speaking with such confidence about fundraising and the process because, because you've done it. But I also know that you did go to business school yeah. and I'm curious about your, how much, how much you, you put down to what you learned at business school versus actually like getting out there and doing it. Um, I think business school is totally not necessary um i think uni is great to socialize and i think you, <laughs> it's great to have a good time and you know i was a great student i had good grades all of that but i really don't think it's that important like i started the business and i still had no idea even though i studied business and i always like joked about this it's like i had no idea what to do i didn't know how to register a business i didn't know this yeah. i did i just like i had to google everything Everything. Why is it so like not practical what you learn? Exactly. And then you have a big business and they're, you know, all these models and everything. I'm just like, let's just, just practical stuff would have been totally. so handy. And then if you think about the world now is so different than even 10 years ago, like social yeah. media and how you market, it's like so outdated, everything I learned anyways. I think the one advantage I might have is that like, yes, if I'm in a board meeting and everyone talks about all the financial numbers, I did study finance and accounting, right? So like, I understand uh, what the numbers But that's mean. like, you but, know, that's like one course you can do through Coursera online. Like you that's don't, not you don't need degree. five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. To my point, you don't need business school. But if I learned one thing, that's the one thing I learned. <laughs> I read that um, that you sold the business last year to the healing company. Is that right? Yeah, we did. Congratulations. Talk me through what yeah. that was like. Um, quite a journey. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, we're still, we're still involved in the business. I'm still working there. Um, and it's, uh, it's fun working with them together. I think the most important piece for us has really been our emissions alliance. Um, because actually everything we do, um, it's about our mission. We're on a mission to improve people's health, the power of plants that holds true for your super, but that's also Michael and me, you know, our personal mission. Um, that's why we actually wrote a cookbook, which is coming out, which is exciting. Amazing. Um, your super life and, um, well, cookbook plus lifestyle, your super way of eating, everything is in there. And I think that's also what we continue doing. And we still feel your super is the business where we're doing that in. We're also, you know, with the book and just like kind of figuring out like what's next as well. Um, I had a baby last year. So I feel like everything is transitioning mm -hmm. um, and a lot of things happening. Amazing. I would love to know what you, what advice you would give to somebody who wants to build a business that they can exit one day and they're in the early days, like what foundational things should they be thinking about? Yeah. What, if you could go back and talk to yourself in 2014, like what would you be telling that younger version of yourself? Um, I think the biggest thing is just enjoy every moment because I think what you really realize is, right, we often like even, just don't even build to exit. I actually mm -hmm. don't think it makes any sense. And I think it's really just about building something you're truly passionate about building something you really just get so much joy about, because what's the point of building something and stressing about it for 10 years and then selling it, it just doesn't make any sense. Totally. Right? 
So I think it's just this really enjoying the ride because it truly is about the ride. And if you happen to sell one day, yes or no, like it doesn't matter. Maybe you have an amazing business and you can, you know, that fits to your lifestyle and it's just something that's with you for a long time. Or maybe you own it and someone else is operating the day-to-day at some point, right? There's so many different ways how, you know, it can switch at some point. Um, But you don't need to know step million if you're still Mm -hmm. at step one. And I think that's also if you, you know... If you're thinking about starting something, don't think about all those steps ahead. Just truly be in the now and just think about the next five things that need to happen. And you don't need to know everything. Um, if I I was so naive and I didn't know so many things, and I think it was fantastic because if I would have known what I know now, I'm like, would I have even started in the first place? I don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it's just like to really embrace the uncertainty, I think as a founder is really, really important. Um, and to kind of just love that and just, you know, especially females, we can go with the flow. That's our superpower. Like trust your intuition and just like go with it. I was talking with, um, Michelle Cordero Grant. She's, she started a business called Lively and they sold, I think for like $105 million to like wake all after three years or something just wild. And she's building her second business now, which is a, uh, an energy drink company called Gorgy, which is awesome. And I asked her this question. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing differently in your first business that you didn't do in your, in, in your second business that you didn't do in your first one? And she had a really similar answer to what you just said um, about the advice you would have given yourself. And she was like, I'm just enjoying the ride this time. I feel like I was so, you know, like stressed and really like hustling and worried about that, like that, the end destination that I didn't get to like enjoy the journey. But yeah. now I'm really focused on just the joy and, and enjoying the process. And I just think that is really important and it can sound for someone who's starting out and like oh that's really easy to say when you've got a really you know you've got the successful business like you've done it and you're like oh enjoy the ride but it is and I'm someone who has had a business that failed and a business that worked and I just think that like in both cases the failure or the winning is a really small moment in it like the journey is what it's all about it's all about the journey and it's it's you know like some lessons you also just have to learn yourself Right. Like, I think like I've heard people say it too. And I was like, I don't think it ever truly, really clicked, but then yeah. it really is about the journey. And if it doesn't yeah. feel that way yet, you're going to learn it one day. And I also feel like since having a baby, like this is totally, I'm really digressing here, but like that, <laughs> that is also taught me. It's like about, you've got to enjoy the everyday because there's no like destination. Like yeah. you're not, you're but not arriving. Babies amazing. That's why too, they wake up and they're happy right yeah just happy they're in the moment they're great I'm like oh my god like he figured life out totally (laughs) yeah it's like don't you know all the stuff we need to do today no yeah they don't care yeah um Crystal the last question that I ask everyone who comes onto the show is for a recommendation so it's a, a resource it could be a lesson you've learned a book that you've read something that you think other people who want to go where you've been should check out great um so I, I didn't know before what I was going to say. I was like, let's see what comes up in a moment. And actually mm-hmm. two things come up. Um, the one thing that has been really important to me and still is, it's just a morning routine. Yeah. Um, and the book I read was Morning Miracles, read that like eight years ago or something and really, you know, kind of installed it in my life. And it's so standard, but I just, if you don't have a morning routine, create it. doesn't matter what it is, but just like have your own rituals. And I think for anyone who's listening and who's a mom, um, it's still possible to have a morning routine. I was about to ask you that. <laughs> but you have to be a little bit more flexible. Yeah. Right? So it might not be always as perfect as it used to be. And maybe you do one piece of your morning routine right away in the morning, another piece maybe later. Um, so I think one of the things when you're a mom, it's just all about like 
just being flexible in your own mind. You cannot be as rigid. Um, and within my morning routine is something I truly enjoy is affirmations. I listen to affirmations from Louise Hay, and she also has an amazing book, How, you know, How to Heal Your Life. And I think there is such empowering affirmations for your own mindset. Um, but also when it comes to your business, like what, you know, what thoughts do you think and what do you say really, you know, comes back to us. And um, I think the more you start to focus on it and more you start paying attention to it, the more you realize this is actually true because you're like, really, is this really true? Is this really true? And then you actually do it and you're like, this changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um I remember this one really quick example. Uh, I did this when we were living in Berlin and I wanted to move to LA, but I was like, this is not possible because we have a business in Berlin. And for three months straight, every morning, I read out loud my affirmations. I'm moving to LA next summer. I'm moving to LA next summer. And I had no idea how. I literally couldn't see it. I thought it was so, I felt so silly even saying it. And it was not the next summer, but it was the fall. We moved in November, actually we moved to LA because the business, this and this, and somehow things worked out and we were moving Mm -hmm. to LA. Right. So it's just funny how just like saying things over and over again and keep putting the intention there and just trusting the process. Things just happen to, you know, work out. I I am super woo and really like believe in all of that. Um, But I think that people, for people who maybe aren't like, you just need to think of it as a way to keep you like really focused on like a very specific goal. Cause it's constantly top of mind. If you're doing affirmations, I actually set them as my computer passwords. Every time I turn my computer on in the morning, it's like, that is the password. And I change it as, um, as you know, life evolves and that affirmation needs to change as well, but it just keeps it like front of mind every morning when I turn on my computer, it's the first thing I think of. So smart. I always want to say my, my password now, but I'm like, can't do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. There are a lot of people listening. Um, Crystal, it has been so great chatting with you. Congratulations on the exit last year. That's massive. Where can people, where will they be able to find your book and where can they shop, um, your business? Yeah, uh, the Your Super Life book is basically everywhere would you buy a book uh, from Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, wherever you want to get it. Um, and then Your Super is on YourSuper.com and on Instagram, it's at Your Superfoods. And you can also find me and Michael at Crystal and Michael on uh, Instagram as well. If you want to just see more of like the baby pictures and stuff. So. I mean, I'll be there. I'm fully yeah. there for that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving the show and you are building a consumer CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences, and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.